1: I'm Lee Nason, Uh, I'm a shareholder with Ogletree in the Columbia, South Carolina office. And I'm Lauren Hicks, I'm in the Atlanta office. And we're going to talk to you today about the fascinating status of things under the OFCCP, which is the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs, a division of the Department of Labor that enforces the regulatory obligations of federal contractors and subcontractors. Uh, we're going to hit on the portal that everyone's talking about. We're going to hit on Equal Pay, uh, pay initiative at OSCCP, and try to wind up with some best practices and some tips for how you might comply in what is turning out to be a very challenging environment. Uh, I think I'm leading it off. You are. I am. Okay, so we're going to talk about the portal. This is the OSCCP's contractor portal that everybody learned about back in December and now it's active and ready for your input. Uh, Contract, federal contractors and subcontractors who are covered by OSCCP's regulations should be um, registering and certifying in the portal that they have developed and maintained uh, current affirmative action programs. So that means if you have a federal contract of at least $50,000 and you have 50 employees uh, overall in in, in the entity that has the contract, then you must register in the portal. If you are a necessary subcontractor, and that's a hard definition and not really well defined, you also must register in the portal if you have a necessary subcontract of $50,000 at least uh, and 50 employees. What you are certifying is that you have developed and maintained affirmative action programs. These are the annual um, compliance documents that you prepare. They consist of narratives and some analytics this is where you hear the terms workforce analysis and placement goals. Uh, you are evaluating your personnel pro- policies and uh, putting all that in a narrative. Uh, and you might have as many as three AAPs, one for minorities and women, one for disabled individuals, and one for protected veterans. And not all veterans are protected under this law, uh, but that's, those are the three that you normally see. So you don't have to upload this information in the portal. You just have to certify that you have current, meaning 2022, uh, AAPs as of the day you certify. The current deadline for certification is June 30th. That may be extended. It's a brand new program for OSCCP, and there have been a lot of glitches. Uh, So it may be extended, but it may not. If it's not extended and you can't certify on time, it is very unclear what ramifications that has. In fact, it appears that delay may have minimal ramifications. That could change at any minute, but there's no guidance on that. Um, The question has come up, what happens if I don't certify and I'm required to? And the response from OSCCP has been that you may get on an audit list. Uh, Many of you are already on an audit list, have been on an audit list, or in the middle of audits. So that's um, not quite uh, a a downside, so so to speak. Um, But again, OSCCP has been very uh, ambivalent about what happens if you don't certify or you delay certification. You will have to certify again next year at a time frame that OSCCP determines for you. If you are a brand new contractor uh, and you are not 120 days into that contract, you do have 120 days to start getting compliant with the regulations and then certify in the portal within 90 days after that. we don't know exactly what OSCCP is going to do with this information. We understand that they are going to use the information to input it into their audit methodology. Uh, who is certified, uh, you know, who maybe has not, uh, but it's very unclear how they're going to use it. I think time will tell, and time will tell whether they continue this, um, this exercise or whether they even expand it to actually upload AAPs and audits through this portal. There are some possible legal challenges to this, they have not, we have not seen any, um, but uh, that remains to be seen. But right now, June 30th is your magic date, and uh, that's when you need to target having your AAPs updated so that you can certify in the portal that you are compliant.
0: So OFCCP recently put out a couple of new directives, and uh, one of the directives relates to what they're calling pay equity and requiring, A, that something be done, and B, that they're going to look at it in the course of an audit. Now, understand that pay equity is not a term that appears anywhere in the regulation. so the agency using that terminology in this directive is itself an escalation um, and showing that they're taking a more aggressive posture as relates to compensation. The directive itself is not law. What they are saying is, we have you know, previously not dedicated a sufficient amount of resources to this. You, contractors and subcontractors, have misunderstood your obligations. You've not uh, put forward enough resources. And frankly, they're looking at it from a posture of, according to Department of Labor's own data, that we have this pay gap. Nothing seems to be uh, moving it. We're not seeing it uh, look any differently with our federal contractors who have all of these additional affirmative action obligations. And so they've signaled, we are going to start here being more aggressive and holding your feet to the fire to make sure that you're taking these regulations seriously. And so a couple of things to think about. Um, One, they have made clear that they now expect some type of quantitative analysis to occur with your AAPs. There used to be um, you know, some ambiguity surrounding that, but via this directive, there's no longer any ambiguity. They do expect that along with your AAPs, you're doing some type of quantitative analysis. What type of quantitative analysis is not clear. It's not required. There's no um, specific form of analysis or content of analysis. So you'll want to make sure that you're running What is a meaningful and useful analysis that is also not overly broad or anything like that. Because in addition to running these analyses with your AAPs, you are now probably going to have to produce them or potentially will have to produce them in the course of an audit. And that's the the other um, big piece of information that came out in the directive, right? In the past, um, contractors have been able to just say, oh, we didn't do one. Or to say, yes, we did one, but we did it under privilege and we're not going to produce it to you. And the agency is now taking the position, that's not a thing you can do, right? You have this regulatory obligation. You cannot sort of take the position that, yes, I did it, but no, you can't see it government. And and so you should be prepared in the event of a compliance evaluation that you will have to potentially produce this pay equity analysis um, to the government. Now, remember, again, pay equity is not something that's a regulatory terminology, and so it's not defined in either the content uh, nor the form that it has to take. Um, But focus on making sure that you have something done. It doesn't mean you can't still do privileged analyses. You can do privileged analyses, but you're going to want to make those a very separate process from what you're doing for your compliance analysis under the regulation. Those privileged analyses have a whole different set of considerations. And you'll continue to have latitude and and follow procedures to make sure that you can protect that information. In the event, and the directive does state, in the event that you cannot produce some type of uh, regulatory analysis, they're going to potentially try and pierce your privileged analysis. Now, them saying it in a directive doesn't mean it's a thing they can necessarily do. But I think there is, you know, they're, they're willing to maybe challenge that argument. I think they will. So understand that if you don't have some type of quantitative analysis to produce to them in the course of an audit, you are taking a position that the agency will view as hostile to their requirements. And it looks like at this point they're actually going to be willing to litigate, which is something
1: um, that we've not seen them do in the past. I think we do do need to make a distinction between not providing them the regulatory analysis, which could lead to that denial of access, and just not having it. Correct. So if you choose not to do it, I think the most likely scenario there is a technical violation, because that now is built into their ostensibly regulatory authority, and they would ask you to... Um, sign a conciliation agreement where you agree to do it and provide it to them for a period of one to two years. If you did not agree to do that, of course, then you get into the denial, well, you get into possible litigation. Um, To Lauren's point, the solicitor is very ready to, the solicitors who are OSCCP's lawyers seem very ready to take on denial of access cases. There's no, very little discovery there. They move very fast and they can get a, uh, administrative positions cemented fairly quickly is the thought, is and they fair? almost
0: always win them. Yeah, that's they the do. other reason they like. Them. Yeah, they, they <laughs> they're do. winner cases for them, and so they love the denial of access cases. Right. Um, and I think for practitioners in this industry, it's been really interesting to watch them take this really aggressive stance with pay equity because. Yeah. Prior to this, they have litigated the substance of some compensation cases, and they've not had a lot of success, right? In fact, they've had quite a few uh, losses, um, pretty aggressive losses, actually. And so um, to come off of those administrative losses and transition to what I think is an additional, but new, different escalation. Mm -hmm. We'll see how it goes, but I think for them, getting a legal win via a denial of access,
1: I think is gonna be an important stepping stone to sort of revalidate
0: their legal posture,
1: if you will. Right, and this is just one element of what I think is a new, or what we think is a new focus on um, the technical aspects of the regulations—you know, preparing an AAP, doing the outreach, documenting what you, you know, all of the efforts that you're making to comply. There's a particular section in here; it's called 2.17B3. It also serves as the basis for this pay equity analysis or audit. Um, but two. 2.17b3 says you've got to do some in-depth analysis to ensure that there are no impediments to equal employment opportunity. And in doing that, you need to, it's about a four-parter, you've got to evaluate your um, personnel policies, that's your hiring, your promotions, your terminations. You've got to uh, evaluate your pay systems. It doesn't say your pay, it says your pay systems. But now we've got a kind of a new thing on that with this pay equity audit. Um, and any other personnel Policies, I think it's how it's written, uh, in quotes, other personnel policies. So there's a lot to do beyond getting the document ready, putting it on the shelf, uh, and saying we don't have to think about this till next year. And I believe, um, if we're not wrong, we're already seeing this more attention to these non quantitative. More attention to the qualitative aspects of the AAPs, um, not just the quantitative numerical analyses that everyone has previously been focused on.
0: That's absolutely right. Across the board, not just in compensation, but in other areas, including outreach and other areas that are typically considered more technical, not as intense, not as serious, if you will. Um, they're putting a lot more weight into. And so we're seeing live, right, in our audits that the volume of data requests has really increased. Um, the sort of... Um, relentlessness, they're they're not taking sort of surface level answers as easily as they were. They're really digging in deeper and saying, show me the documentation, Um, sort of producing a high level summary or something that they view as a little too easy, like an outreach report that just is, you know, hey, we blasted out emails will not be sufficient at this point in time. They're really digging deeper and saying, no, no, what have you done on a deep and more meaningful level? And on
1: an annual basis. And so it's very hard when you get a, when you get notice of an OSCCP audit, you've got 30 days to provide all of this information to OSCCP. It's very hard to go from zero to a hundred in 30 days. So I think what this really means for you guys, bottom line, more expense, more time. And of course, you're dealing with this in a time when it's hard to find people and you don't have a whole lot of fluff in your budget. So we get it. (laughs) Tell that to OSCCP. Um, But we do think this is the way things are going. And quite frankly, it's making some Folks say, do I really want to be in this business? Many of you are large government contractors, and it is critical to your um, to your company, and that's absolutely fair. There are some who it's where it's not, um, and those a lot of those folks are saying, I'm not real sure I want to do all of this. It's a determination for you to make. It's very much a business decision. Just know, whatever way you go, if you go to, we want to continue to be a federal contractor, or we want to actively solicit this work. There are lots of tentacles to these regulations and lots to do.
0: The government is just continuing to show a lot more aggression. It's just yes. going to take more resources Absolutely. to handle audits and your compliance, I think, moving forward. There's really no question. You know, In the audits, they're doing things like uh, really chasing down almost uh, non-managerial employees to sort of get them for an interview. They're demanding maybe a CEO be present at an entrance conference. They're sort of doing some things that are just a lot more dramatic and menacing um, and I think along with the additional supplemental data requests and give us more data, more data, more information, and we want more witnesses and so on and so forth, the, the cost to defend the audits is just going to be more. But the compliance aspect, right, to put yourself in the best posture to defend yourself from these audits as well, is just going to be more costly going forward. And uh, for us, I think something that Lee and I have talked about quite a bit is, that's the point, right? I mean, right. The, the agency is sort of taking the posture that we know that you all have developed uh, shortcuts, if you will. I think they they view a lot of um, use of vendors and things that make uh, compliance easier as shortcuts. And they're sort of critiquing and saying, no, contractor, you can't take these shortcuts Bring anymore. Bring this back inside. Make it meaningful, because if, if you're making it meaningful then we should be seeing more results, right? We shouldn't be seeing these pay gaps and we shouldn't be seeing these trends of glass ceiling issues where women and minorities aren't rising up through the ranks and things like that. So uh, if it feels more burdensome to be a contractor today than it did two years ago, it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And on that cheery note, uh, thank you for listening to this uplifting message Um, and uh, we appreciate you attending.